Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I am Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Rob? I'm feeling elegant. Good. And that is because <laughs> I met the guest we are going to meet today many years ago at a friend of ours who's also a previous Talk Art guest called Zoe Bedot, who is an amazing mm-hmm. artist and stylist and and human Curator. being and mm-hmm. i remember meeting him in her in her apartment and i just thought he was the coolest guy because he has such kind of passion and elegance and style and kindness and intelligence and we wanted to speak to him today not only because he is a world leader in many ways especially in the fashion industry but we really respect his passion and commitment to art and how he's kind of integrated and supported artists and their work into the fantastic work that he's been doing over the last few years at Vogue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah, and I know that you two have your own connection because you were recently featured in Vogue yourself. I was Mr. Vogue on a page in the British Vogue, which was uh, an honour. Mr. Vogue, yeah. Mr. Vogue, I love that. Yeah, I'm Mr. Vogue, thank you. Wonderful. Mr. Vogue, March 2020, I think. I think that's the right month. They always go a month ahead, don't they? I always get confused about what month we're in. What month would we be in now? We can ask our guest. Our guest guest should know that information. (laughs) (laughs) So we would like to welcome to Talk Art, Edward Edward Enninfall. Hey, hi boys. How are you doing? Hi, Hi, Edward. Edward. Where do we find you, Edward? Where in the world are you? I'm sitting in my flat in Lancaster Gate, opposite Hyde Park. The sun sun blazing through the windows. That's nice. Do you actually see the park from your house? Yes, I can actually. Mm. That's good for your daily exercise. But the the frustrating thing is, I can only go out once, like everyone else. Yeah, but do you do your hour every day? You keep every day, every morning with little Rue, my dog, and we do an Mm -hmm. hour. Your Boston Terrier. My little Do you dress Rue up like the day I met Rue in the office? I think he was in a tutu the day I, I met you in your pink, office. Something pink and frothy. <laughs> no, I think he's it's good. He's so it's non-binary and fluid, your dog. It's he amazing. really is. He's leading the way. So we, yeah, so we do you, a little walk and then we yeah. come back home and I do endless Zoom calls like everyone else. 
where are you zooming like with all the offices all around the world and oh, with all the your offices and the teams yeah the teams the offices and heads of sort of companies and young designers you know we're we're at a very crucial time i call it the reset yeah you know okay yeah a lot of busy businesses are going through a hard time and a lot of people need help and we all need to work together in the fashion industry. So I spend my days sort of just seeing how I can help really. And how, how are you seeing a change and how do you think help can be used and needed? I think, you know, I mean, first of all, I have to go back to say, I think we had reached a stage where, you know, we were just sort of, more consuming, more and more and more. Mm-hmm. You know, in the fashion industry, you know, so many seasons, uh, I couldn't even keep track anymore from, mm. you know, the ready-to-wear to the couture to pre-fall to resort. The designers were exhausted. So I feel like this is a perfect time to reset. Um, yeah, a lot of, Unfortunately, a lot of businesses have, have been hit, and we're just trying every day, you know, sort of with the British Fashion Council as well and my team to see what help they will need when we come out of this. You know, the, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's been really badly hit. Not just the fashion the, industry. I mean. But what about the magazine? Like when it comes to the magazine at the minute? Well, the so basically, <laughs> so I have my whole team and we're all in our houses and we all Zoom and we sort of discuss ideas and... Uh-huh. You know, emails go back and forth, and we've actually wrapped up um, the July issue, which is the first issue we've sort of done in quarantine. Oh, wow. wow. Yes. What's that and been what like? What is the imagery? I mean, how do you get photographs? Yeah. And yeah. Stuff. I, mean, I mean, you know what I can say about this time is in times of adversity, artists always rise. I've got some of the most incredible ideas and visuals out of this time because... There's a certain sense of, um, how do I say, photographers have developed a certain sense of sort of closeness with the people they photograph, whether it's family or whether it's, you know, lovers or friends. There's certain intimacies coming across in the photographs we're receiving. And also the stories we're telling and the narratives and the people we're meeting. Um, so out of, you know, these sort of hard times are coming some great sort of artistic, you know, imagery, you know, words. Mm-hmm. Everybody seems to be, you know, you know, that the pause has been good for a lot of people's brains, I think. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's good. I mean, and I like the fact that you call it the reset. I mean, in some yes, ways the reset. A, a positive, positive it. spin. It's we like going to. back back to basics or back to like, mm-hmm. do you think it will, it will like when we do get back out into the world whenever that is that we will then just accumulate back to where we've come from or do you no, think there's I, going to be no i think we're going into a brave sort of a new world a brave new world i think people will do things differently i think people will approach things differently i think we will be more careful sort of what we you know do to ourselves what we do to you know, people around us, what we do to the mm-hmm. planet, you know, the ecological conversations going on, sustain, mm-hmm. you know, sustainability. I don't think mm-hmm. we can just step back into what people call the normal, because normal is what got us into this, isn't it, really? So I think we're yeah. stepping into a, you know, a new world. A new normal now, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great. That's great. Well, that's really inspiring. So, so let's just talk about you for a minute then, Edward. 
You are an OBE, and I love I love it when people have letters Russell after their name. Russell loves it when we have OBEs or CBEs, CBEs or so on. CBEs. <laughs> he also, he also loves shit. a sir. We actually I interviewed sir, sir Elton I mean, but, John but, the other day. I mean, if you was didn't... a dame, if you used Dame okay. Edward any fool, then I mean, literally, <laughs> I, wouldn't yeah, I wouldn't be able to talk to you. Sadly, you're not a dame yet. But Not yet. What was that like, getting an OBE? What did you get the OBE for, and how do oh. you... How do you walk amongst us? Oh my God, that's a very lofty question. question. Um, Basically, sort of, you know, my career, so I start, just to give you a little background, I started in London um, as a teenage editor on ID magazine. And then I kind of, um, I was there for 20 years on and off. Yeah, but you also did that at the age of 18. I was so impressed. You were like so, so young. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I met this incredible stylist on the train going to school one day and his name was Simon Foxton and he was a great stylist who worked with um, a photographer called Nick Knight so um, Nick Knight and Simon really introduced me to fashion when I was 16 and then when I was 17 didn't you think he was like I thought thought, who's this weird guy staring you know I come (laughs) from you know I, I was coming from a very sort of African West London sort of you know, Christian family. So I was very naive, didn't know much about the world. And there was this man staring at me on a train. Mm-hmm. And I was so scared. And then I remember we got to Baker Street and he came up and gave me a card and he said, you know, my name is Simon Foxton and I'm a stylist for Arena, Arena Magazine, MID. I didn't even know what that was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember going home and sort of pestering mum to call this person and and she was adamant. She was. She said there were too many gay people in that industry, fashion industry. Oh, she, wow. she didn't know any. She didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. But I remember, you know, sixteen-year-old, you've got something in your head, and I wouldn't stop. And then eventually, she gave it, and she called Simon, and he picked me up. I always remember this. He picked me up at a Richmond station, and he said, "We're going to this." photographer's house to shoot some pictures for I don't remember what magazine it was Pepe Jeans or something mm-hmm. and the photographer was um, Nick Knight so wow. Nick was the first person who Nick and Simon were the first people I met and then we became sort of friends and I was sort of going to you know trying to go to school college and then I was still trying and I was also modeling and then Nick introduced me to ID magazine and Terry Jones was so cool. You sort of owned the magazine, really. Mm-hmm. Sort of, I guess you must have seen something. So he'd send me to Paris to cover the shows when I was 17. Oh, my God. And I, and I, I, was, I, I read some of those reports, and they're so funny and so naive. And when I was 18, they sort of offered me the job as fashion director, and I was there for 20 years, sort of full-time, then part-time. And then from there, I went to Italian Vogue, where sort of worked with Stephen Meisel for a lot of years. Wow. Then I went to American Vogue. So I did my whole cycle. I went to American Vogue. Then I went to W Magazine mm. for seven years. And that's when I got the call from, I guess it was somebody from, not the palace, from um, the ministry. And they'd been trying to get a hold of me in England because I moved to America in England for about uh-huh. three or four months. And, you know, finally they got through to my agent, who then sort of directed them on to me. And it was this most surreal phone call where, okay, we have to 
you know, sort of tell you something. No, you get a letter, actually. Actually, I received a letter. Mm-hmm. And I remember my sister calling, who was my age at the time. She said, you need to sit down. I have to tell you something. It's like, okay, what is it? It's like, you're being given an AB for services to diversity. Because throughout my whole career, I just, you know, I always sort of saw the beauty in everybody, you know, whether it was, you know, race, sex, creed, it didn't matter. I just always saw people as equal um, because I grew up sort of black in West London I, mm-hmm. and I felt othered a lot of the time being sort of black and gay and, you know. Right, right. So I've always felt othered. So my work has always been sort of to promote a positive image about other people, you know, the other, mm-hmm. you know, who the person you see and don't know much about their life, you know, just show just showing you into their world. So anyway, with services to diversity. And I remember going to the palace with some close friends and family. And I was my I was given my award by um, the prince the royal princess Anne. Oh wow. And I remember <laughs> and there's this whole <laughs> ceremony where you walk in and you have to sort of go up, get your medal and walk backwards. And I remember Princess Anne saying to me, oh, so, you know, you're a very brave person bringing diversity to that industry. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Princess Royal. But it was a very special day. And, um, yeah, it's very dear to me. I will always remember that day. Diversity is becoming like the magazine's legacy. It's becoming your legacy, but also what you've created with the magazine as you've taken it over has become, I mean, I, yeah. I think it was, it was just, it was just a sign of the times really. I mean, yeah. I didn't reinvent the wheel. All I did was I just looked at the magazine and I just thought, okay, as, from my perspective, what is, you know, what would I like to see? Yeah. And I thought, you know, I'd like to see people, you know, sort of different kinds of people, different sizes, different, you know, races, everything I've really practiced in my career. And that's really what I injected into the magazine. It, it wasn't, you know, I didn't set out to sort of, you know, it's still Vogue, you know, it still has to have that gravitas. It's still, yeah. it's aspirational. But I like yeah. to think, you know, I was able to bring a little bit of the world I saw, the world at large, the world you live in, the world we live yeah. in, yeah. sort of into the magazine. Because I think before then people thought, you know, when they think of Vogue, they thought it's really standoffish and cold and, and you know, but we are, we're in different times. I really loved the the front cover that you did quite early on with Adwa Aboa. I thought it was such a beautiful front cover. And I remember it like on the newsstands with her amazing kind of blue um, eye makeup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I remember my mother, who's... Who's, who's but, an MBE. Um, Who's an MBE, yeah. actually, my mum, yeah. <laughs> but I remember her buying Say hi to her. <laughs> I will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're but right. I, um, she's a big, big fan of yours. And she um, she bought that issue of Vogue. And I clearly remember her calling me and just saying how it felt like Vogue was, like, back for her, you know. And I thought that was fascinating. That, like, yeah. you know, someone who hadn't been reading the magazine as much because she'd kind of fallen out of love with it a bit had kind of felt reinvigorated by what you had brought to the table. And it's so so interesting that it's not just for young people, you know, young 20 year olds it's kind of for all kinds of women and also men so it's a wonderful thing well thank you I mean Vogue you know like I said like your mother said was always for sort of everybody yeah and it was just a case of just continuing sort of that narrative sort of for today and that's for that first cover I remember 
I lived in America working for W Magazine and mm. having to come home to prepare this first issue. And everyone sort of was wondering who the cover girl should be. And I thought, in my head, I, you know, we were going through Brexit. You know, in America, people were thinking England was xenophobic and racist. And I thought, that's, mm. you know, that's not the England I know. So the whole idea was to create sort of a love story to Great Britain. So when you look at, you know, the lineup of all the, you know, there's, there's Zadie Smith and there's Kate Moss and sort of all these sort of great British talent. Mm-hmm. Just to show the world that, you know, let's not forget what this, this great country has given the world. And everybody was, you know, is it Kate Moss on the cover? Is it a model, and actress? But for me, I looked at, you know, Adwa, who I'd known. I've known Adwa since she was, I don't know, probably like two years old. Oh, and my God, here, really? Oh, my God, yes. Camilla, her parents, Camilla and Charles, are very dear oh, friends yeah. of mine. They, they, so, they came to Margate, actually, recently to see yes. Zoe Bedeau's curated show. Yeah, the they, really great friends of Zoe the, as well. Yeah, they came to the opening and I loved them. And they came to the after party as well. They're oh, awesome, they're, her parents. <laughs> they're so incredible. Camilla's just the best, yeah. She's the best. And Adwa to be represented a girl of today, you know. Yes. She was a model. She, she was talking about her mental health. She wasn't afraid to be who... who she, she's not afraid to be who she is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of young women, she opened the doors, you know, for young women to talk about how they were really feeling yeah. inside and about their mental health. And I thought she was the perfect cover girl. There was nobody else. It was always Ajwa. And the fact, I like the fact that she was also the perfect, you know, she was black and she was white. And, you know, this is very love with growth. That's where I grew up, you know, Buffalo. Yeah, 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 you yeah. Know? So, I, I love her yeah. podcast as well, Girls Talk. I think it's such a brilliant oh, it's incredible. example. And she was a real forerunner in the podcast world as well because she was doing it a good yeah. two years or a year and a half before we started ours. I mean, we started quite late in a way. So she was definitely someone that inspired us, I think, you know, with what she's done. I think it's such an mm. amazing gift to the world. Can you just explain that reference, Buffalo, which you just said? Which is the, well, Buffalo. the, the period <laughs> you grew up in and the way that you talk about the area in the period of time. Yeah, Buffalo was sort of late, sort of, started with a, a great stylist called Ray Petrie, who sort of was really sort of the first, along with Simon Foxton, the first stylist to sort of meld Jamaican sort of roots fashion with, with sort of British style. It was all sort of based around menswear. And he, had, he worked with photographers Mark Le Bon, uh, Roger Charity, and they had all these great models like Nick and Barry Kamen. And, you know, he brought back the, the, the flight jacket. In the eight, so when you saw people wearing mm. it in the 80s, bros, that's yes. where it came from. So I Ray Petrie the, the was, shot jacket. Is that the type of thing? Like the, the zip-up, like the, the shell jacket? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it was a really a West London, Ludwig Grove sort of And then a cherry as well, no? Yeah, with oh, Nana Terry, I'm sorry, yeah. Nana, the most famous. Because yeah. Nana kind of took it to the music scene, didn't took she? To the, to the music Buffalo level, stuff. you know. Yeah. The big African earrings, the, the big Love. trainer, the ski pants. And when I left, I left home at um, 17 and I moved in with a stylist called Judy Blaine. And Judy wow. was at the center of, sort of, was really great friends with Ray. So Judy is the one of the few people who just kind of brought me up in the industry and he you know, he would take me to Paris and introduce me to Asdin and sort of lots of great designers. But Judy was always very Buffalo. And because mm-hmm. I was from West London, I kind of knew everybody 
from a young age. So that kind of stayed with me, that kind of aesthetic mm. of West London, you know, kind of keeping things real, the mixture of, you know, sort of the, the you know, the, the round faced English girl from Portobello, just sort of mixed with the, you know, the Rastafari, you know, anything. It was all about mixing and culture. Yeah. So talking about mixing and, and crossovers in a way, um, what about your thoughts on art and fashion kind of crossing over and the link between them? Because I've always loved both, you know, and I, I, yeah. I remember when I first started working in the art world about 10 years ago and wearing like, you know, print shirts by Marnie or, you know, yeah. seeing collaborations that Prada were doing with leading artists or, you know, lots of different brands often do have these wonderful connections. Yeah. I mean, you know, a friend of mine said, you know, today we live in the big flat, don't we? Sort of art, music, film and fashion. Right. Are also kind of codependent on each other. And for me, you know, art and fashion are both, sort of they're both about storytelling. Like if you look at a great painting or a piece of clothing, you can kind of step back in time or you can step forward. You can become sort of a character. It's very transformative. Yeah. And I also feel like the best artists and sort of the best designers are always sort of great fantasists. I mean, you know, we go, we can go as far back as sort of Schiaparelli and Picasso, you know. Picasso designed that beautiful crab to put on that skirt. And then you had Yves Saint Laurent yeah. with Mondrian. And then you have the relationship again between Saint Laurent and Warhol, sort of around yes. pop art. I mean, mm. and then when we come back to today, look at Marc Jacobs, what he did at Louis Vuitton with the collaborations with Steven Sprouse and Murakami and Richard Prince, nice. Kasama, and then, you know, Yeezy and Vanessa Beecroft. So I feel fashion and art have always gone hand in hand and really influenced each other. You know, McQueen and Damien Hurst with all those scarves from the 90s. Mm. So what were they I like? feel. I don't remember those. What, what did they do? Oh, what was so Damien designed his little butterflies. And Lee uh-huh. had his skull, and then there were all sort of lots of scarves and sort of T-shirts and stuff. I'll send you a picture of them. Yeah, and then wow. even to now, you have Kim Jones, you know, Kim Jones yes. and Kors. Yeah, you know. Kim's just been visionary in a way with what he's done. I think so the Kors sculpture he did at that catwalk, it's, it's the street artist Kors. I mean, it was just, mm. and it was so genius because it was so like of the house, you know, that kind of yes. element of nature, intense nature and luxury and you know, they were like the best flowers ever, but it's the, such an interesting combination. He did it when he was at Louis Vuitton with Jake and Dinos Chapman, he brought in. Yes, I was just going to say, yeah. You know, he, he he's definitely carried on that legacy totally of the collaborations. So let's let's go back to when you was 18 and you were like working on ID magazine. That was at the yeah. height of Britpop and like the YBA movement. Did you have any experiences <laughs> then of like that moving through the magazine world? I know, but it was it's like arriving at a place, you know, and then realizing, oh my God, this is where really I'm meant to be. Yeah. Sort of, it was, you know, you had bands like sort of Primal Scream, Happy Mondays, Third Summer of Love. We had sort of Kate Moss really sort of as our icon because, you know, half of us were from normal families, you know, we weren't titled, but what we had was a love of fashion and style. And the same thing was going on in the art world. I remember Jay Joplin, sort of White Cube, and Jacob Dinos, and Tracy. Was it Brit art? And we'd go to the same parties, you know, we'd all hang out. And it just felt like the art world and the fashion world were just so intertwined in sort of the best way possible. 
Did you see a lot of bad behaviour or some or some crazy stories or <laughs> that would be telling, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Remember I said I'm a good boy from West London, so uh... let's leave it at that. <laughs> but you mentioned David uh, Jay Joplin. Didn't you have like a, a conversation or something happened? Oh no, Jason. I mean I've I've known Jason sort of back in the day. And so one of my art heroes is sort of the black American artist, David Hammonds. Oh, I love I mean, David Hammonds. I mean, how incredible is he? Oh. And I remember I was given this award in America called the Frederick Douglass Award. And again, it's similar to an OB in the sense that it's given to people sort of who are viewed as sort of helping others or helping people of their race, the black race. So mm-hmm. I got this award I, and I run afterwards, I run to my friend Alexander Jelks. I went to his house for a party and Jay was there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Jay was like, I have a meeting with David Hammonds. I'm trying to get him for the white cube. And I don't know what to do. I've tried. I'm seeing him in an hour. And I said, oh, well, I just came from the, you know, receiving my Frederick Douglass award. He's like, give me that. He grabbed my Frederick Douglass award, <laughs> put it around his neck, went to see David Hammond. And apparently <gasps> the first thing David Hammond said was, Frederick Douglass. That's cool. And then he nailed him for the white cube. <laughs> no. He owes but, me, yeah. <laughs> but you're saying that with the Frederick, the Frederick Douglass Award, is that for people of colour? Was yeah. Jay not like wearing something? I know. Like, <laughs> was he like, but it worked. You got this. It worked. <laughs> I think that's what the Hammonds was like. How did he get though? He must be How pretty. He must be really special. <laughs> yeah, my God. That's hilarious. So yeah, but um, it was it was a great time. The nineties were, I mean, they were fun and you know mm. so creative. And you'd you know you'd go to a party and everybody would be there from you know all walks of life, um, all creative industries, and a lot of you know great work was done then. So I'm very proud to be from that time. But you're not going to give us any gossip, Edward. Maybe when we hang up. <laughs> okay, right. But you, you're talking okay. about your childhood friendships of lots of like amazing, influential, iconic people now. Steve McQueen, the artist who um, won the Turner Prize for his work, is mm-hmm. a dear friend of yours and a contributor to Vogue, right? I mean, going back, I met Steve when I was 16, and then we go and I met him through Nick Knight and Simon Foxton on that shoot I went to. That's my first sort of baptism into fashion, Steve was there. Mm-hmm. And Steve was, um, he would model sometimes for Simon as well. So we've known mm-hmm. each other since we were teenagers. And he's always been brilliant. He's always been so focused and so clear. I actually, I'm going to tell you another funny story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve, at one point, you know, Steve decided he wanted to go to Goldsmiths University. And I thought, well, I'm going to follow Steve. So, you know, we both got in and, and he tells his story better than me. And I remember we all walked, the two of us, you know, walking to Goldsmiths. We got to the entrance and I, Steve was like, all right, let's go. I literally turned around. It's like, bye, I'm going to go work for ID. And I never went. <laughs> oh so, but Steve is a, such a great friend. To me, he's, a, he's sort of a guiding voice arts and society for me on the magazine. You know, he wrote, in the first issue, he wrote a sort of an ode to Britain, his Britain. Mm. You know, he, he hosted sort of an incredible series of podcasts. I don't know if you've heard, if you heard oh. them with 
I haven't with, heard. Oh my god, one was with Adwa. Oh great. Gwendolyn, Christy, Karen wow. Nelson. For for Vogue. For for Vogue. It was our first wow. podcast. Our very he was like, we need to do a podcast. And and he you'll literally cry. He'll bring you to tears at what he was able to get out of all these sort of incredible people. Yeah. So Steve's always there. He's always, you know, whenever I'm feeling sort of unsure or need some advice, I always call him. I really trust him 100%. Was you there when he won the Turner Prize? Was you around then? Was I you think in I was America? in America, but we spoke on... <laughs> I think I was in... Yeah. No. What year did Steve win, actually? 1999. I was here. We spoke on the phone, but I wasn't present. I wasn't at the award ceremony but he's won a tur- he's won that he's won an oscar <laughs> yes he was also in the venice biennale and i saw his incredible film there and it was he represented great britain for the venice biennale a few years ago and it was really remarkable I incredible mean, and, and, and i love what he's just tate. done at tate exactly yes yes of all the kids and the across london photos. of course yeah yes yeah. yes yes and one thing i do love about steve is he's just got not only is he sort of the most creative one of the most creative people i've ever met but He's also very human. He's very, yes. he's got, you know, empathy. And I think that's a very, very important word, empathy, to mm. be able to step into somebody else's shoes and imagine what they're feeling. So, yeah. How have you noticed the art scene change through uh, your time being involved in fashion and art, the collaboration? And, and how do you feel like people, uh, like diverse arts, artwork is being... Uh, represented now yeah i remember you know sort of when i started um to be honest there, there weren't that many sort of diversity in the art well you had you know people like lorna you no know, you had um, david hammonds yeah yeah but I, I think since people like you know thelma golden since thelma came to the studio museum in harlem the yeah. world the art world changed yeah I mean, since her, you've seen the rise of people like sort of Mark Bradford and Adam Pendleton and Kerry James Marshall and mm. Fiesta Gates, my friend Fiesta. And, and it's, 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 it's a new time. And I also feel like not, also not just um, Thelma, but, you know, you have someone like Maria, Maria at the Tate. Yes. And oh, Maria sure, yeah. also brought with her you know, a sense of diversity. Mm-hmm. Maria, you know, you know, wanted to have more female voices, you know. And I feel like the time we live in now is sort of the most exciting time for, for art, really. I mean, all these superstars I never thought I'll see, all these sort of black or non-white artists I never thought I'll see growing up. Yeah. yeah. You know, and... The same thing in the fashion industry and, the, you know, the music industry always sort of had great representation. But I feel over the past few years, the art and fashion industries have really stepped it up. Yeah, I think definitely. also collectors of uh, art has changed. Like you've got people come in now, like you just mentioned, like <laughs> Kerry James Marshall and like yeah. P. Diddy. Like P. Diddy. Set the, auction, the... set the auction record for... <laughs> no, was it 22 million? 20 months, yeah. 21 million? million? Yeah, yeah. You know, you have like new collectors, you know, like Jay-Z and Beyonce who also collected, you know, they collect a lot yeah. of Mark Bradford. You have the Deans, sort of Alicia Keys and Swiss Beats spreading the yeah, word. Yeah, let's talk about them. Do you, do you know them? Yeah. Do you have like a relationship well, with them? Well, I know and... Alicia very well. I used to sort of work with her. 
And and she was always sort of about the culture. She was always about sort of her heritage. And when they met, I think he had such a great love of art, didn't he? Swiss. And he was, you know, he kept knocking down the curator's doors. He wanted to be let in and he wanted to be a part of this world that he loved. And I think he was sort of the first one to sort of start collecting. And then he started talking to other people about collecting. So other Uh friends of his who were sort of, um, sort of, you know, like, like Diddy, like Jay-Z, sort of who were in the music industry. So he was, he was very, very, very important part of sort of the democratization of art, really. Very fascinating couple. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Do you collect? Do I collect? I mean, funny enough, I collect, but I only collect fashion photography. Oh, cool. From, from the 90s. So I have sort of, you know, works by Pete, sort of Jürgen Teller, Peter Lindbergh, Paolo Reversi, um, Stephen Klein, Stephen Meisel, Sorrenti. Sort of people I kind of came up with as well. And, you know, if I see something I really love and then uh, I'll be on their case. So, I, yeah, I have fashion, sort of fashion photography is what I... I guess you share that affinity with Elton John, who Clang name drop is was another guest on Talk Art, but he oh. he has the obsessive uh, collecting bug for photography. Have you ever yeah. like shared notes about that? Oh, I love Elton. I mean, I remember Elton was one of the first people I met when I started at Vogue. Sort of, I received a phone call and went to meet him for lunch, and uh, sort of, I I'd known David, his partner, for a while. And over the course of lunch, he started telling me the story of this artist who we'll talk about called Nathaniel Merriquin. And I don't mm. know if you know Nathaniel's story, but it's quite harrowing. You know, he was, he went, he was sent off to school. He came home one summer and his whole family had packed up and gone. And well, Nathaniel his died, hadn't she? And then yeah. he came back and then his whole family had gone. So he didn't know they'd where gone. they'd gone. And he had no sort of idea. So anyway, that, he moved to New York and that started became the fuel for sort of his artwork. And I remember leaving Elton and saying, you know, say to Giles, my features director, we have to find him. And then we got in touch with Nathaniel and we did, we profiled him. Oh, and it's really? so amazing to see his, his career is just gone. He's, yeah. You know, he's superstar. such a great, fo- oh, superstar. And, mm. and with so much to say, I think he's now with the Gagosian. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, thank you, Elton. That was such a great, great um, find. So every time I speak to Nathaniel, we always, 
Elton sort of like godfather. Oh. Godmother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you've also you've also featured um many other artists like yes. um you know you mentioned Maria earlier at the Tate like they had a great show with um Lubaina Himid who was also a Turner Prize um nominee in 2017 maybe but um I know that you also included her work in Vogue so how how important is it to kind of as well as working with Steve McQueen on a regular basis do you get a lot of joy from including artist work like oh Mark Bradford God. or the different artists I mean work? I think one of the one of the best things about sort of the job I have is just being able to sort of include a wide section of the population. But, you know, I love art. So I was like, we have to really sort of pump up the art content. So, I mean, we've done everything for, you know, Zadie Smith written about toying. Oh, really? cool. oh my god, yes, Zadie did a whole piece. I need to read that. I love Zadie. Oh, you have to. Zadie took me to see her exhibition in New York. At the Whitney. Um, Cool. Yes, I yes. saw that show eight times. I went back to that show. There you go. So Zadie yes. wrote about her. We profiled sort of singer Samson in 2019. Yes. And then let's not forget about sort of, you know, the art world, you know, like, you know, Frank Bowling, Luchita Hurtado, who was a 98-year-old. Yes. Yeah. Sort of, mm-hmm. you know, James Barner. This, well, I think I'm giving, in the new issue, we have a thing on James Barner, the 90-year-old Ghanaian photographer. Oh, genius. And... Also, we, we're so sort of interested in what goes on in the art world, sort of the gallery world. So, you know, we have Jürgen Teller shooting Maria. You know, we profile oh. Zoe Whiteley. Oh, yes, he's just taken oh, over the Chisholm How. Yeah. Chisholm so How, isn't it? She's taken over, yeah. Yeah, so the, it came know, from the, the Hayward, Goodman Gallery. Yeah. She's amazing. The Goodman Gallery in South Africa. And for me, it's very yeah. important to also support not just artists from the you know, minority, but also women. So the first project for the first, second issue I did was this historical portfolio of Britain's sort of greatest female artists. You know, really, really amazing experience working with these women. So I have to send you all these issues. You do, please, please. (laughs) I mean, we had Bridget Riley, we had Lynette, we had Lynette Yadonbwachi, Celia Hampton. Oh, I love her. Rachel Whitebread, Maggie Hamlin. It was sort of, Wow. The new sort of putting the grand dams with sort of a new generation. And um, so one of the joys of my sort of job is being able to sort of bring art to people who otherwise, mm. you know, are, you know, are too busy in their everyday lives to go to a gallery or mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's a really important thing to do as well because I think people forget sometimes that not everyone does have, you know, all the time in the world to do all these things or to, you know, to know which book to read or all that stuff. And that's why it's so important to have something like Vogue where you do get these sort of recommendations and commendations and support. Um, How important do you think that fashion and art and I guess music as well, like all kind of creativity is in this current climate that we're facing, this challenging time around the world? Um, which is kind of unprecedented and also seems to be going on for much longer than I think many people were hoping. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's very simple, you know, in difficult times, sort of artists sort of always rise up, you know, they can, you know, they lead the, the way sometimes, you know, they lift, the, I always say it's about lifting the human spirit. So when we're going through sort of dark days, artists, you know, whether it's through music or painting or, can really lift our spirits. And I also believe that it's very, you know, we, we, already, we already talked about fashion, beauty being intertwined. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With culture, identity, and also society. 
how you show up every day to the outside world is really, really important. And just because we're in quarantine doesn't mean we stop living, feeling, or dreaming in colour. That's what I believe. And we have to keep on. Yeah, totally. You know, art is more important now than ever. You know, I was talking to a journalist from the New York Times called Rachel Felder the other day. We did a phone call mm-hmm. and she said to me, um, I'm ju- just, hang on a minute, I'll be with you. I'm just putting on my red lipstick for the for the <laughs> FaceTime call. And she's written a book about red lipstick. Um, and it was just really amazing. Made, it, I, I thought that was so cool, though. It was so kind of like, um, yeah, I just thought it was really great that, that you know, you take um, video calling just as seriously as you would if you were Serious, being in yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. No, you have show to. Up. So, show so up for great. them Zoom meetings, yeah. You have yeah, to. Yeah. <laughs> I have 10 a day. <laughs> At least 10 God. a day. 10 You'd different outfits book, or all the same outfit. <laughs> but I tend, to move around, I tend to move around my house a bit. Right. It's a different lighting <laughs> state. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. How proud are you of your, um, are you of your Ghanaian roots? Because your mother was a seamstress from Ghana and there yeah. are so many incredible... Uh, artists and talents that have come out of Ghana that you just mentioned Lynette Yard and Bayachi her family is Ghanaian British and then there's David Adagi the architect and then there's an amazing artist at the moment who we've interviewed called Amoako Boafo are you aware of his work? Yeah you know what I literally heard about him maybe three weeks ago oh cool a friend of mine a friend of mine called and was like have you heard of this artist and then started sending me his work pretty amazing yeah, he is. You have to see it in real life as well, because I, I saw a big exhibition of his in Miami in December, and in real life, it's like so at the Rubel Museum. Yeah, like I in photographs, this, uh, they become quite graphic. But I think in, you get the real physicality of his fingers touching all the paint to make up oh, the wow. the skin, and it's he's just incredible, really incredible. Not everyone's talking about him. Part of his price just went through the. Mm-hmm. Roof. Yeah, we interviewed him uh, the other day, and he's really chilled about that. He's just sort of like, "I'm not doing it for that reason. Whatever. I'll keep doing <laughs> it. Nice, if they stay interested, yes. they do. If they don't, they yes. don't. You know, he's really he's contributing something. Oh, he's um, what do you think me, it is you know, about Ghana then that's got that sort of magic? Oh God, um, I think there's magic everywhere. All I mean, I can speak for myself and say, you know, I grew up sort of in two worlds. You know, I grew up in a Ghanaian household where with sort of Ghanaian, sort of, I always say with Ghanaian food and Ghanaian, you know, uh, you know, music, Ghanaian culture. But then I would step outside the house and I'd be sort of in England with my friends at school. And so this duality really has made me who I am today, just seeing the world from sort of two different sides. Mm. Um, had I not had that kind of upbringing, maybe my view, my worldview would have been very different. But I realized by being, being the other and being other that I developed this thing that I always go back to, empathy for others. So my Ghanaian upbringing really taught me to sort of be able to put myself in you know, other people's shoes, mm. you know, having been an outsider myself yeah. in England. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it sort of um, informs who I am today. And, and I'm I guess very, your mum very... being a seamstress as well. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like even first know. Access into fashion. <laughs> yeah, but I had no idea because I, you know, I would sketch with my mom and we'd make clothes together. And <gasps> but I didn't know that was a career because, like most African kids, you're supposed to be a lawyer or a doctor. And oh, if right. you're not any of those, God help you. 
So um, when I discovered fashion, I think mum was secretly sort of happy. And my dad was in the military, so he was sort of very, sort of, I guess that's where I get my precision from and very sort of ordered and organised. And so, yeah, it was great. And I grew up with um, six brothers and sisters, so you can imagine the house. Are they in in the art world or like creative world at all? No. What do they make of your world? (laughs) I mean, they never paid it much attention from the very beginning anyway. But I know, you know, occasionally you'll be like, oh, I read this about you or I saw the magazine here. But it's very normal. We're all in this huge group. um, What's up? And we just just talk about sort of real things that we get together. And it's, it's, it's about real moments, really. And occasionally they'll touch on, you know, do you know this person or whatever, but they don't really care. It doesn't really change their lives in any way. So you, you've travelled the world, obviously, extensively, I guess, in your role at Vogue and also previously at ID. Yeah. And um, are there any galleries you visited um, that sort of made a big impression on you? Or um, museums? I mean, I lived, or, in, I lived in New York, sort of in the 20s, around all the galleries. Um, the Broad oh, in really? LA... When I lived, mm-hmm. I remember I was at W Magazine and my editor at the time, Stefano Tonki, sent me off to LA to shoot a story on all these galleries. Oh, cool. With, with um, a photographer called Willie Vanderpeer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Willie Van, Vanderpeer. So we were, I mean, I was so impressed. The Broad was being built. I think we went in before it was open. That's so cool. And I, I was so impressed. But it was, the, it was at the time when art was sort of heading over to L.A. There was talk of um, sort of L.A. being the new... Yeah, sort of like Hauser and Worth capital. moved there. and Yeah, yeah, Hauser and Worth, all of them moving there. And then all the galleries started to open downtown. Mm. So, you know, I wouldn't say there's one, but definitely I was very impressed with the galleries in L.A. How many years ago was that? About... Eight years ago, would you Amazing, say? Yeah. yeah, that's probably like the early time of like David Kordansky Gallery and there's so many cool yeah. people there. But you could feel this excitement when you went out in LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, LA for so long. there was a big shift there. It felt, it felt yeah. really noticeable. I remember going in the early 2000s compared to going yeah. in 2010 and the difference was, was I mean, huge. Yeah. And, also and I mean, so now you have the Gagos. You yeah. have the Gagosian there now, and you have Jeffrey Deitch. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was very impressed by the Broad, even before they'd finished. Mm. So this no, sort of amazing huge space. space. Yeah. yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Mm. Can we talk about your time um, presenting the Turner Prize Award last year in yes. Margate? Because you told me a funny oh story God. about how last minute <laughs> what you were told. Yeah, I mean, so my, yeah, so my friend Maria, brought, Maria called me and she said, okay, you know, they, we want you to present the Turner Prize this year. Yeah. And I should have known. Really about the tape. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have known that there was a reason. And, I, you know, I was very honoured. Went to, went to Margate. I mean, the, yeah. I mean, it was a really great experience. And the artists were so talented. I, I, I mean, I was with my, um, I think my family came with me as well. Uh-huh. And I remember, and I was it twenty minutes before I went on stage. I, did, I was handed another sheet of paper, you know, <laughs> another sheet of paper. Okay, because you know when you when you present, you have you know what you've written, and they added a second bit, and 
I had a quick look. I didn't quite register, and I walked onto the stage, did the usual, and then started reading the second sheet and realised that the award had been sort of divided. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was so fantastic. I mean, I think I did a sort of a whoop. And I, I know why they did that, because I just they just felt like in this moment we were in just togetherness was maybe more important than competition. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they felt like being a collective was more important than competing. And I really sort of liked that. Yeah. But the funny thing is I remember saying to to Maria, this will this is going to sort of have such a chain reaction because this year in fashion, you know, the Vogue Fashion Fund is being divided amongst all the winners. Wow. The oh, wow. LVMH Prize, the LVMH Prize, which is one of the most incredible awards, Louis is also Vuitton, being divided. Yeah. So, you wow. know, something started in Margate. And I think it's such an important message because there was so much division, especially yes. you know, in the UK yeah. because of yeah. Brexit. And it really even divided families and friends and all, you know, all yeah. kinds of things. So this yeah. idea of like coming together. And I think it was very difficult to separate um, uh, you know, betw- uh, sorry, to choose between the four of them because they, they all were looking at social issues and political yes. issues yes. and things that really yes. deeply mattered on a kind of fabric of society kind of level. So to yeah. say that one of them was, you know, the winner over the others just doesn't no, make it was, sense, you know. No, I, I mean, I was very happy also sort of from what I stand for and where what my beliefs are. It, it was a great, great, great night. It turned out yeah. to be... A great ninety-nine, surprising one, but uh, yeah. But if you'd had nine. to have chosen one, Edward, who would you have chosen? I won't tell you <laughs> oh, that, <question>. Russell. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was amazing to have you there presenting it that night. It was a historical moment, and to oh, have you spearheading you. that was fantastic. Thank you. So we ask every guest that comes on some very important questions. The first one is: if you could do an imaginary art heist, you could have any artwork in the world, to yourself, what would it be and why? Oh, that's very easy. I'll head oh. straight to the Louvre and nab the Mona Lisa. Seriously? Yeah, straight to the top. Yes. Why the Mona Lisa? I mean, I was, I've been obsessed with that picture since I was, I don't know, God knows how old. Oh. It's just got so many great memories. And, you know, you know when your parents have sort of a, a replica of it in a frame? Yeah. No, so, not, yeah. I don't know many parents who do. They, your parents had a Mona Lisa <laughs> replica. I, I had well, one at school whose parents were, had a poster. They were from another world. <laughs> wow. And have you seen it in the flesh? Cool. You must have obviously seen it in the flesh. Yes, 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 I have. And, it does and what's it feel like in the work? flesh? Well, they, they say, you know, the eyes follow you everywhere. It's kind of true. Mm. It's kind of true. But not so in a yes, creepy way. Like, no, not in a creepy way. In a calming way. Um, okay. The Warhol's a good one too. Like a good sort of soup can, the soup can. Yeah, Campbell's, yeah. Yeah, the Campbell's soups. Which flavour yeah. soup? <laughs> Tomato, I think. I would go Tomato, on. I think, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's I've a good one. I've been thinking a lot, about, a lot about that work recently because I started cooking <laughs> in this um, lockdown. So it's kind of... Mm-hmm. Uh, You've been yeah, doing aubergine doing bake. Is there an aubergine bake Campbell's soup? Or? <laughs> no, I, mean, <laughs> I think he's fine with tomato. It's bone with tomato, cream with tomato. The Mona Lisa. Yeah, basic. We get you that. That's fine. No one's watching that one. 
No, we so don't want to miss that one. <laughs> the other question we ask every guest is, um, what is your favourite colour? Um, pale blue. Ooh, how come? Do you, Do wear, you wear pale blue? Pale blue. Yeah. pale blue is the colour of the sky. It's the yeah. Blue is actually a, a kind of big theme for people. I think it is probably the relationship to nature as well. But also I think yeah. certain people love wearing like navy or certain shades of blue because it makes them feel something when they're wearing it too. It's quite interesting. I mean, I always wear black, even though Do I you? love navy. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, it, it just makes me happy and positive. And I'm a Pisces, so maybe it's due with water, I don't know. Aha, <laughs> yeah. that's what it is. So your uniform though is black. You'll wear black like the, the, the go-to yeah. fashion colour, black and white. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever have anxieties about what to wear when you're out and about because everyone's looking at you? I got rid of that in my teenage years by sticking to black and white. The last <laughs> thing I have what? to worry about is what I'm going to wear. I have sort of multiple black suits, multiple black shirts, multiple white shirts. So I have a uniform. And when you have a uniform, you don't really... What you're going to wear sort of is taken away that anxiety is gone first thing yeah. is there certain brands you stick with or go to yeah i mean i've got you know classics that i like um you know i wear a lot of sort of european designers um i wear some british designers as well like who you know, i've won prada for you know sort of uh -huh. since the 90s and mm. but you know i also sort of mixing you know high street buys so like the guy you know mixing the gap and a shirt from Marks and Spencer's, you know, so I'm very good at mixing. That's yeah. cool. I always think of um, Gilbert and George when I think about uniforms because they say the same mm. thing where they sort of wear the same suits. They'll have like a selection mm. of suits and then they wear them every day because it means that whole section of having to think about what you're wearing is gone, which means yeah. they can invest more yeah. energy and time into the making of the work, mm. which is their most important thing. So for you, I guess it's the same because you must yeah. have so many like plates to juggle all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. To spin, I mean, plates to spin. To spin. Yeah. 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 No, but it's, it's, uh, a lot of fashion people have sort of a uniform, I think. Yeah, I guess you know, just yeah, it takes away that anxiety. You know, imagine trying to work and having that anxiety of how you look. Yeah, I, I guess you can lady, put a lot of color on the Boston Terrier Rue, right? I guess that, that's and no, where black and white, <laughs> black and <Right>. white. <laughs> oh really? And then he, yeah. Oh no, 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 he's black. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I put, I, I experiment with him. Yes, exactly. You try all the colors out because I think, yes. as we were saying, it was pink, bright, shocking was pink, pink yeah. too, too. He was Ruth even non-binary. <laughs> <laughs> non-binary fluid rue they call him um i uh the other question we're asking is have you worked out since we've been like in lockdown you have a hidden lockdown talent something you didn't know you had until you've been in quarantine oh my god um i mean normally i i go i used to go i used to go climbing climbing for six right. days a week but now I, it's just a walk with rue and uh, I've just ordered a Peloton bike like everybody else. So let's see Very how good. that goes. Let's see how that goes. What do you wear on your dog walk then? You can't just be wearing a suit on the dog walk, right? No, no. Got what's your, what's your black casuals jog, then? Black, black joggers and, and a black, black t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. With trainers? Sneakers? Black trainers. Black tra and where black would they trainers. be? Like Prada black trainers or would they be? No, Nike. 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 Oh, it's Nike. Yeah, Very cool. good. Well, yeah. I'd love to say cooking, but I, I haven't got the banana bread um, bug You yet. haven't got the, the gay banana bread bug, right? No. 
I think right. I'm very good at, I didn't realize I was so good at cleaning, sort of cleaning the house. Oh, really? And, yeah, I had no idea. I was cleaning, organizing the house and, you know, yeah, cleaning, I'll say. Good. Amazing. So, are there any young, young talents at the minute that you want to champion that you'll think are making big leaps and bounds? Oh my God, there's some great young photographers who I love. Like, I love Tyler Mitchell. He's this incredibly sensitive and gentle American photographer. He he shot the Vogue US cover of Beyonce. Do you remember oh, yes. with a flower? Yes, yes, yes. And I love he, that. Shoot. Yeah. Well, he's on. How old is he? I think Tyler must be in his early to, early to mid twenties. Wow! But he's so sort of ref, the taste is so refined, and he's a really really great one. And then also I also love Campbell Addy, another gifted mm. young sort of photographer. He's um, mm. British, Ghanaian British. Lovely. Awesome. And sort of you know we use him a British folk. He's a really another great talent. And then you have to check out the work of Nadine Ijewiri. Um, she's the, really the first black woman to ever photograph a British film cover. She did it with, wow. she shot Dua Lipa sort of awesome. a while back. So, you know, these are the three people I'll say to watch out for. And they all sort of live in the fashion and art worlds. Yeah, they kind of cross both. Yeah. Have you got any art icons that you want to work with still that you're like pitching for in future editions? Well, I would love to work with, I mean, I would love to work with, I used to love her so much in the 90s. Wangechi Mutu, the Kenyan Yes, 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 yes. Sort of Kara Walker, I've sort of tried a oh, few what, times. Oh, not, not happening yet. No. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm going to make sure. And of course, you know, David Hammond, that's my answer. Yes. So wow. make yes, it happen. Yes, yes. We will we'll, we'll yeah, try. We, we they're, they're try. All gonna they all listen. They all listen to talk art, Edward OBE. So I'm, they're all going to be there. We love. We love all three. They're incredible. Yeah, I mean, I always loved Lubaina, and I'm glad we were able to work with her. Yeah, she's so, so incredible. Cool. What did you do with her? What What, what, what was the edition like? And um, well, we traveled to her. We traveled to her studio after she won the Turner Prize, and we shot her mm. in her studio. And. Her award was so important. It was such an important moment for women of color in the arts. Yes. And she was also the, sort of the oldest winner. So it's everything I, sort of I love, really. Sort of, you know, she's a woman and a woman of a certain age and a different color. And the world embraced her. So it's very proud of that moment. Yeah. I saw a painting well, we're of proud hers of you. in... Um... Okay. I saw a painting of hers in Tate's and Ives and I remember thinking how important it was that she's in that collection and, yes. you know, installed in the canon of art because they're, they're doing a really great um, job, you know, even with the limited resources museums have these days. But I yeah. think the Tate are doing such a great job at kind of correcting that imbalance of, of both so women good. and also people of, of colour. And I, I really thought about that with, with Lubaina's painting because... It's just really, truly remarkable. She stands Maria Balshaw, isn't it? I mean, she's been amazing. Yeah, and the whole team there. I mean, yeah, she's got such a great team. And again, Maria's, you know, she's got that thing, that empathy that I love, you know? Yes, Yes. exactly. You know, and she's also a fighter. Yeah, she's not an elitist. She's also a fighter. And I believe you can't do what she does or what I do and not fight. Yes. You know, you come up against so many obstacles and you have to just sort of believe in what you believe in and really stick to it and, you know, help others while 
while doing what you do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You're a good Wonderful. man, Edward. And if I will be, thank you, thank you so much for graciousness <laughs> with your presence. Yeah. Thank you for having today. me. My God, I hope I haven't rumbled oh, on too much. No, it's been it's wonderful. Been amazing. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's why I'm a big fan of your show. I've listened to so many episodes. Oh. And keep up the good work. Yeah, thank do. you. Thank you, mate. For all images we talk about today, please go to our Instagram at Talkart. And uh, do you use Instagram, Edward? Yes. What's your at handle? Edward underscore LN4. Amazing. And what's the Vogue one as well? Is it British Vogue? Yes, at British at Vogue. British Vogue, yeah. Um, yeah, so Amazing. we'll be back very soon. Thank you, Edward. Yes. Oh, oh, and um, also, what month was I, Mr. Vogue? <laughs> I'll go back to you. <laughs> yes, I, I think... I, was it February or March? It might be April. I don't know. I can never work out because, like... I reckon it was March. Thank you very much for no, asking I think, me involved I think in that. The, yeah, I think it was March or April, one of the two. Yes, March or April, yeah. exactly. It's well, it was an honour to be asked to do that. That was a very lovely thing no we, we really that. love your work and what you know years <laughs> and years sort of blew everyone's mind and you know what i want to work with russell t davis one day. yes, yes. so cool That's i was just watching man. the old um the old queer as folk episodes last night yeah. and you i forgot how revolutionary then. and groundbreaking that show yeah. was i mean i've been watching yeah. bob and rose yeah yes I, uh, yeah amazing amazing well thanks edward thank, thank you thanks everyone for listening we'll be back soon bye okay, bye thank you bye bye You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamant and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in this episode. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.